candidates for his job. The old man had been found at home, his heart frozen like a chunk of quartz, his face buried in a bowl of dry apple jacks. I decided against teaching at the time because I'd been finishing my apprenticeship with Irene Manos for a private investigator's license. My mother, who had arranged the first interview with Mitchell, had not been thrilled. A nice safe job for once, she'd pleaded a chance to get back into academia. Looking down at the photo of Aaron Brandon, who'd taken the nice, safe job instead of me, I thought maybe the whole mother-knows-best thing was overrated. We offered you this position last fall, Trace. Mitchell tried to keep the petulance out of his voice, the implication that I could have saved him a lot of trouble back in October, maybe gotten myself killed right off the bat. I think you should reconsider, I said, A second chance, absolutely. And you couldn't pay any reputable professor enough money now. Mitchell's left eye twitched. It's true we need a person with very special qualifications. The fact that you, uh, have another set of skills. You can watch your ass, Detective De Leon translated. Maybe avoid making yourself corpse number three until we make an arrest. I was loving this woman. I swiveled in Aaron Brandon's chair and gazed out the window. A couple of pigeons roosted on the ledge outside the glass. Beyond, the view of the UTSA quadrangle was obscured by the upper branches of a mesquite, shining with new margarita green foliage. Through the leaves, I could see the walls of the behavioral sciences building next door, the small red and blue shapes of students making their way up and down steps in the central courtyard, across wide grassy spaces and concrete walkways. Icicle blue sky, temperature in the low 80s, your basic perfect Texas spring day outside your basic perfect campus office. It was a view Dr. Hamer had earned through 20 years of tenure, a view Aaron Brandon had enjoyed for less than 90 days. I turned back to the dead man's office. Yellow loops of leftover crime scene tape were stuffed into the waist-high metal trash can between Brandon's desk and the window. On the corner of the desk sat a pile of ungraded essays from the undergraduate Chaucer seminar. Next to that was a silver-framed photo of the professor with a very pretty Latina woman and a child, maybe three years old. They were all standing in front of an old-fashioned merry-go-round. The little boy had Brandon's blue eyes and the woman's smile and reddish-brown hair. Next to the photo were the death threats, a neat stack of seven white business envelopes computer-printed in Chicago 12-point each containing one page of well-written, grammatically correct venom. Each threat was unsigned. The first was addressed to Theodore Hamer, the following six to Aaron Brandon. One dated two weeks ago promised a pipe bomb. One dated a week before that promised a knife in Brandon's back as a symbol of how the Latino community felt about the establishment replacing one white racist with another. The campus had been swept, and no bombs had been found. No knives had been forthcoming. None of the letters said anything about shooting Brandon at home in the chest with a forty-five. You have leads? I asked De Leon. She gave me the sub-zero smile. You know Sergeant Schaefer, Mr. Navarre? I said, whoops. Gene Schaefer had been a detective in homicide until recently when he'd accepted a transfer promotion device. Sometimes Schaefer and I were friends. More often, like whenever I needed something from him, Schaefer wanted to kill me. The sergeant warned me about you, 
De Leon confirmed. Something about your father being a retired captain, you feeling you had special privileges. Bear County Sheriff, I corrected. Dead, not retired. You've got no special privileges with me, Mr. Navarre. Whatever else you do, you're going to stay out of my investigation. And if the person or persons who killed Brandon decides I'm Anglo-Racist Oppressor Number 3? De Leon smiled a little more genuinely. I think the idea appealed to her. You cover your ass until we get it straightened out. You can do that, right? How to say no to a job offer? Let me count the ways. I'd have to talk with my employer. Irania Manos, Dr. Mitchell interrupted. We've already done that. I stared at him. The provost is more than agreeable to retaining Miss Manos' services, Mitchell said wearily, like he'd already spent too much time haggling that point. While you're teaching for us, Miss Manos will be finding out.